Hello, and welcome to Moving Iron Tax Moves with Glenn Birnbaum. Glenn, hey, you brought up a pretty good point today when we were talking about uh, what we are going to talk about for this segment. So you were brought up easements and, and how that would work and effectively, you know, a windmill comes through or a, a pipeline comes through or something like that. How those easements yep. work in there is a, a different way those get taxed than, than you would think. So take yeah. it away. Yeah, it's, it seems like it's, thanks for having me again, Casey. It's pretty common, you know, we're getting more pipeline easements, that type of thing. So you get you get payments, you know, from the utility company. And the question is, it's a lot of times the question in tax is, you know, what's the character of this income, right? Is it, is it going to be a, maybe a return of basis where I have no gain or loss, right? That's, that's the best scenario. Or am I going to have to treat it as a, a sale, and so I might have a capital gain if that's the underlying asset? If you remember, a capital gain has a lower tax rate, typically a 15 or 20 percent rate, Casey, as opposed to like we're talking about ordinary income, which would be like a rental income, ordinary income or wages. All these things fall into ordinary income. You know that could be taxed as high as 37 percent. So. We're going to just talk about the different uh, buckets that these payments uh, might might fall into if you um, grant an easement. All right. Okay. So, first thing would be, generally speaking, if uh, you know we've had a number of pipelines come through Illinois here recently, but typically, you know, if you're granting a permanent easement, which means you're kind of giving up permanently the rights to that, you know, that part of the land. Basically, it's going to be treated as if you sold the land, okay? So whatever your basis is in the land that's actually, you know, that the pipeline's going through. So you generally can't use the entire basis in the tract of land. You can only use the basis that's associated with where the pipeline goes through. But you can use that part of the basis to offset it against the payment that you get from the pipeline company. So, so the farmer, the landowner, would prefer to have more of the payment be considered capital gain or basically proceeds from the sale of land. Because again, if I'm selling land, that's capital gain property. So that's the first thing. Generally speaking, you're gonna have some capital gain. You'd like to maximize that. Um, now a temporary easement would be, you know, temporarily, right? They, they may, hey, I only need this, this part of the land, but I need a little extra temporarily to come in and, you know, put the pipeline through, right? So you're basically temporarily agreeing them to kind of rent the land to the, to the utility company. So that's going to be considered rental income. And then I use the word rent, right? So the, the portion that they're paying for like the the borders on the outside of the pipeline, right? The extra space they need, that's going to be generally considered rent income. That's going to be taxed at ordinary income rates, okay? Other types of payments, and this all gets negotiated. So one of the big takeaways here is if you've got a big enough deal, you know, you should definitely have a, a real co competent attorney that's familiar with these rules because they can structure the agreement potentially to be, you know, very favorable to you. You know, is it, is it proceeds for land? Is it a proceeds for rent or temporary easement? And the other category is very common is that they'll give you money, right, for crop damage, right? So then it's going to temporarily, you know, I'm not going to get near the yields I thought. So that income, as you might expect, the default is going to be, that's going to be considered ordinary income as well. And if you're a Schedule F, like a sole proprietor, you know, farmer, you're going to generally report that crop damage income on your Schedule F and have to pay self-employment tax on it. So really, that's the one that you would least likely want to say that this payment is for. So, again, you can you can negotiate with the utility company and, and potentially try to get the payments to be structured to be more for the sale of land as opposed to crop damages, for example. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's take this an example. So 
a lot of windmills out where I'm at. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what I'm thinking is, is that considered a permanent easement because of the, I mean, that structure can be taken down and, and you know, erected and everything else moved around that kind of stuff. Is that, would that fall yeah. under the same situation? You know, I'm not for sure on that case. It's really more of a legal question. I know at some point, if, if the easement becomes more than, let's say, like a 30-year period, and I think that's kind of a, it's not a hard and fast rule, but I know there's been some cases. But if the easement lasts for more than 30 years, then it's considered a permanent easement, even if it's not. So that, that may, Casey, fall into that uh, category. Um, you know, I've dealt with more recently some pipeline situations, so I'm not sure the answer on that, to be honest. Okay. So okay, so you brought up another thing too. There was a there's a, a ten thirty one like like kind of exchange, and then you brought up a ten thirty three. Go through that yeah. a little bit and kind of how those differ from each other. Yep. So these so really we've talked about hey I'm going to have income right I'm getting money and I've, I'm going to have to either report it as rent income or I got to report it as gain on sale selling my land. Well, there is two code sections ten thirty one and ten thirty three. 1031, you may have heard of before, that's the like kind exchange code section. So it says, okay, yes, I'm getting this money from the utility company, but if I if I don't actually take the money, you know, it goes into an intermediary and I reinvest the money, right, into some other land, then I don't I can defer the gain. So you may remember there's a couple rules on this. I, I double checked them quick. You know, you've got to after you basically sell the first property, right? And then the money doesn't go into your account. It goes into this intermediary. You've got 45 days to identify replacement property. So that's hurdle number one is you got to identify it reasonably quickly. Then maybe tougher is you got to close within 180 days on that property. So if you don't meet those rules, you can't defer the gain. If you do meet those rules, you can defer the gain. So that's under 1031. So if you're getting a whole bunch of money, again, that portion that's for the land, you can 1031 it. The portion that's for rent income, right? I'm not actually. That's not related to the sale of the land, so I can't. I can't do anything to defer the rental income portion or the temporary easement. So, now an even better angle is Section 1033, uh, very close to 1031. It's about eminent domain, and this is where you need a good attorney. But if they if they can threat if they threaten to condemn or if they actually condemn your property, right? Basically, in effect, force you to sell the property you actually have a longer time frame as a landowner to reinvest that money and defer. So the rule is it's kind of crazy, but um, let's say we, we were threatened or we actually had some property condemned in 2018. So you've actually got three years after the close of the tax year. So the reality is you have 2019, 2020, at the end of 2021 that you would have to find replacement property and close on it. So 1033 is a lot easier uh, because it's it's less restrictive right i've got a lot longer time instead of 180 days under 1031 i've got uh potentially three years kind of depends but roughly three years so i've got a lot longer time frame to find replacement property now you do have to prove though that it, they they actually condemned your property or they threatened to condemn your property there's some there's some some nuance you have to work through there but again if you if you work with an attorney on that it's a big enough proceeds and you feel like, hey, I can't, you know, I can't find a replacement property in 180 days. As long as the proper channels are followed, you may be able to do this 1033 eminent domain angle, which again allows you a couple, you know, almost what two and a half extra years, I guess, to find a replacement property, which is pretty nice. You just you're just deferring that big big income. So both of those are good angles if you're looking to totally avoid 
the tax on the portion that relates to the land sale or again the permanent easement. So, all right. And one other question I we talked about, yeah, that came to mind right before we started. So, back when I was in Kansas, there was a lot of oil exploration that was going on, and oil companies were coming in and they were leasing up land um, to for just exploration purposes. They weren't actually going in and extracting oil or anything like that yet. Yep. So you're not technically giving them like surface rights or whatever. I mean, you're just, they're more or less saying the same, like they're just leasing the land from you like you would if, you know, hunting rights yeah. or whatever. How yeah. would that, how does that fall? Does that fall in any of this? Or is that more just like you're renting ground from? Yeah, I haven't dealt with that a lot. But we talked earlier, I mean, it seems like, yeah, it's just be considered rental income because you're just giving them, you know, temporary access to the land. Um, and so that's, that's going to be considered rental income, which again is, taxed it at potentially higher rates than a than, than for capital gain or the sale of land so um, but yeah we don't have a lot of mineral explanation here in, in illinois anymore after the coal coal has been gone for about 80 years i think so or 100 so yeah you don't have to you don't have to deal with it too much anymore okay no, so all right but well. definitely talk to a good cpa or a tax person about you know if, if you're because usually you have pretty good notice right on these pipelines or whatever and, mm-hmm. and there may be angles to to negotiate something that's favorable for for the landowner, um, if if you're ahead of the curve on it, so right on. So, like one more question on like kind of exchanges. So, if I'm over in portion A of the United States and I own some ground, sell it all off, and then I want to go to portion B, which is uh, lands a little cheaper, I can you know get way more for my money. The yeah. like kind of exchange thing would work there the same way as as what you're talking about here. Yeah, I mean, because we're talking about you know federal tax here, so yeah, it doesn't it doesn't have to be you know um, you don't have to re- to replace the property in the same state. You know, the IRS looks at the United States as one one thing, so no no harm in that. Um, sometimes you do get into issues, Casey, on ten thirty one exchanges if you have some personal property that's associated with the land. So um, it could be you know fences or tile and that. And so technically, tile might not be considered real estate. Um, it's a little bit questionable, but you may trigger some gain if, you, unless you actually find a similarly tiled piece of land, right? So mm-hmm. generally, real estate is good. You can you can trade off a building for for all land, but sometimes you have to be careful of when you're giving up personal property. You may have to deal with depreciation and recapture, which we've talked about before. But but on the pure land portion, yeah, it's you can do a trade like that, and, and you don't have to replace it in the same state. So what about like state taxes and stuff? Would that protect from that as well, or how does that work? State taxes, it's a great question. Um, generally speaking, um, you would, in theory, you should pay the, you know, the state tax on that because from the state's perspective, um, we don't have that happen. I'm not sure I've ever ever seen it happen. We're pretty centrally located in Illinois. But, but yeah, if you think about it, if you trade off one piece of land for another one, then whatever state, they, they lose out on that sale forever. So for state tax purposes, I, I would talk with your you know, tax person. Very likely the state, if you know, they could they could assert that you know um, taxes owed for for state tax purposes. So okay, right on. Yep. Well, this is all once again very complicated stuff. So I need to have a good CPA. It's, so. always it's hard to cover all these things. You know, hopefully, you know everyone understands that we're trying to give highlights, but definitely you know check check in with somebody specific to your fact situation because yep. it, it's hard to cover all the nuances um, in our short sessions like this. So, yeah. Well, if they want to get a hold of you and discuss this further, how would they do that? 
Yeah, our phone number here at Heinold Banward is uh, 309-694-4251. That's probably the best place to get a hold of me. Or you can also look me up on Twitter at, at Glenn Birnbaum. Yeah, pretty easy guy to find. And as you can tell on this show, he's very knowledgeable about what he's talking about. So, uh, Glenn, till next week, have a good rest of this one. All right. Thanks, Casey. I appreciate it, buddy.